Today is the third Sunday after Easter, and the appointed gospel reading is taken from the 16th chapter of St. John's Gospel, beginning with the 16th verse. A little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me, because I go to the Father. Then some of his disciples said among themselves, What is this that he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me, and because I go to the Father. They said, therefore, What is this that he says? A little while. We do not know what he is saying. Now Jesus knew that they desired to ask him, and he said to them, Are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said? A little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me? Most assuredly, I say to you, that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice, and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come, but as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish, for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you, and in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Here endeth the Holy Gospel. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from Jesus Christ, his Son, our Savior. Amen. As we continue our pilgrimage through the days of this Easter season, we hear of the Lord's provision for his saints. On the first Sunday after Easter, Quasimodo Genity, we hear the Lord's call to his apostles, who are charged to teach the church all that the Lord imparted to them, and to bind and lose sins. Last Sunday, Misericordius Domini, we heard of the manner in which the Good Shepherd cares for his sheep and defends the flock against the wolves. And this work, the Lord's Word teaches us, is done through the ministry of word and sacrament, to which the Lord calls his pastors. In today's readings, we hear of the ongoing consolation which the Lord grants to his saints in the midst of the troubles which they endure in this world. The Collect summarizes much of this theme in the words, Almighty God, who shows to them that are in error the light of thy truth, to the intent they may return into the way of righteousness. A theme of repentance and restoration. But then also we hear the words, Grant unto all them that are admitted into the fellowship of Christ's religion, that they may avoid those things that are contrary to their profession, and follow all such things as are agreeable to the same. Here we find the life of sanctification which is lived in the communion of the church. The collect thus prays that which the Lord declares in his word in 1 Peter chapter 2. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Through the word, the Lord calls us to the truth and preserves us in the truth. In the gospel reading, we hear words which the Lord spoke to his disciples on the night in which he was betrayed. Judas had already departed from their fellowship, and for several chapters of St. John's Gospel, we hear the words which the Lord then imparted to his disciples. The words which Jesus now spoke to them manifestly shocked them. For thus we read, A little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me, because I go to the Father. There is such a strong emphasis on these words. We hear the disciples repeat them among themselves, and then the Lord speaks them forth to the disciples again. The Lord's declaration that he would depart from them was that shocking and troubling to them. It was thus that the Lord said to them, 
in response to their fears. Most assuredly, I say to you, that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice, and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. The Lord does not tell them that everything's just going to be okay. Christian teaching does not coddle, it consoles. Our blessed Lord Jesus does not tell them that it's all okay and that somehow they've misunderstood. Far from it. He tells them the truth. They're going to weep and lament at precisely the same time and for the same reason that the world will be rejoicing all around them. The world, which obviously includes the unbelieving Jews, it should be observed, would think that they had been victorious and had finally silenced the Christ and his followers. And the crushed spirit of the Emmaus Road disciples, when they said in Luke chapter 24, But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since all these things happened. Reveals precisely how low their spirits would sink in those days. For a brief time, the saints wept and lamented, but then their sorrow was turned to joy. As we hear these words in the weeks leading up to the Festival of the Ascension, it is easy to understand why we are hearing this gospel now. We, too, can be tempted to think of ourselves as having been left alone. The Lord having ascended, the world reviles the church, mocks her doctrine, abuses and kills the saints, and blasphemes against the Christ. Mohammedans and other enemies of the church persecute the church, and hundreds and thousands of Christians are martyred for the sake of the gospel each year, while the world often ignores their plight or even seeks to justify such murders. But just as it was in the days leading up to the resurrection, so it is now, as we await the return of the Christ in glory at the end of the age. For thus we have heard, Therefore you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you, and in that day you will ask me nothing. I would note that as today is also the festival of St. Mark the Evangelist, we remember that in the appointed gospel for his festival, we hear the words of John chapter 15, where Jesus declares, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. We will behold the Lord, and we will bear fruit, for we are joined to the Christ, who has conquered death. But now we live in this veil of tears. We have the Lord's assurance of his return, but we walk by faith and not by sight. Our personal troubles are burdensome enough, but the afflictions which come upon the church for the sake of the gospel weigh heavily on the children of God. We do not have far to look to see the perversions which the sin-darkened hearts of men perpetrate in our society, and often false Christians join in the celebration of such perversion. The world mocks the notion of an unchanging truth, and giddily revels in the failure of many Christians to uphold the pure proclamation of the word. One can sense the danger which confronts Christians in this age, when one considers the struggles of the disciples in the days of our Lord's rest within the tomb. For they were filled with fear, and even when Jesus had risen from the dead, those who had not yet been brought to renewed hope, in some cases doubted what they heard. Now the saints of the triune God take heed from the examples of those who have come before us in the faith. And when we confront the trials and doubts and temptations which attend living out the faith in this age, 
We know well the words of Lamentations chapter 3. And I said, My strength and my hope have perished from the Lord. Remembered my affliction and roaming, the wormwood and the gall. My soul still remembers and sinks within me. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The presence of the afflictions is an occasion for reflecting on the presence of the Lord. The afflictions remind us of the Lord's deliverance, which we have known time and again. But above all, in the saving flood of holy baptism, when the Lord brought us out of death and brought us into life. We remember that no matter what travails have come, on, have come to us, God's word remains present to console the saints. No matter the crosses and mockery which we face, the body and blood of Christ are given to us to eat and drink in the Holy Sacrament for the forgiveness of our sins and the strengthening of our faith. Therefore you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. The devil wants us distracted. He wants us to live as if this fallen world was all that is. But St. Peter reminds us that we are, properly speaking, only passing through this fallen world. For thus he writes in the second chapter of his first epistle, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against, your so against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. What is this that St. Peter calls us? Sojourners, that is, those who are only staying temporarily. And pilgrims, or in the Latin peregrini, travelers on their way to a holy place. The peregrinus was, in Roman law, a foreigner, someone who was not a Roman citizen, and they had only the most basic rights under law. It was thus that St. Peter said to the church, Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme, or to governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Though we are not of the world, we are subject to its governance, so as to avoid offense, unless people use Christian freedom as an excuse for lawlessness. We obey the laws even of the unbelievers, as bondservants of God. Consider the occasion when St. Peter and our Lord spoke of the temple tax in Matthew the 17th chapter. When the question had been raised, Jesus said to St. Peter, What do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth take customs or taxes? From their sons or from strangers? Peter said to him, From strangers. Jesus said to him, Then the sons are free. Nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast in a hook, and take the fish that comes up first. And when you have opened its mouth, you will find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them, for me and you. Here there was no absolute necessity, but they fulfilled the expectation so as to avoid offense. Therefore, our lives in this world are ordered as St. Paul declares in Romans the 13th chapter. Render, therefore, to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. 
in the church, obedience to even the man-made ordinances is a joy. As we declare in our Augsburg Confession in the 28th article, it is lawful for bishops or pastors to make ordinances that things be done orderly in the church. It is proper that the churches should keep such ordinances for the sake of charity and tranquility. And it is thus that we confess, in the same Augsburg Confession, it can readily be judged that nothing would serve better to maintain the dignity of worship and nourish reverence and pious devotion among the people than that the ceremonies be rightly observed in the churches. And thus, again in the words of our confession, for among us masses are performed every Lord's Day and on the other festivals in which the sacrament is offered to those who wish to use it after they have been examined and absolved. And the usual public ceremonies are observed, the series of lessons, of prayers, vestments, and other like things. Unlike the world's ordinances, the ordinance of the church is no burden, for these pertain to that which is part of our pilgrimage. As sojourners and pilgrims, we are not moving from place to place in this world. Our pilgrimage is not to Jerusalem or to Rome or any other earthly city. Our pilgrimage is through this world, and the practices of the church join us to those who have come before. We are gathered together in our pilgrimage, a platoon of the saints passing through this world, awaiting the return of the Christ in glory. The world reminds us of the war warfare which often confronts us as we battle the devil of the world in our own sinful nature. Our victory is in Christ, who has risen from the dead and who has ascended to the right hand of the Father. For he has made atonement for our sins, so that through faith in him we are made partakers of eternal life. Our hope and life are in Christ, who will return again at the, in glory at the end of the age. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, who showest to them that be in error the light of thy truth, to the intent that they may return into the way of righteousness, grant unto all them that are admitted into the fellowship of Christ's religion, that they may eschew those things that are contrary to their profession, and follow all such things as are agreeable to the same. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. The people of Salem Lutheran Church of Malone invite you to visit them today for the 10 a.m. worship service. Sunday school follows after the divine service. We also have a midweek service on Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Salem was located approximately two miles north of Malone off of FM 308. These broadcasts are provided to the support of the members of Salem Lutheran Church of Malone. <laughs>